This is ContactTalkRadio.com. Consciousness in action. And you are taking action into your consciousness by tuning into Contact Talk Radio. And on TuneIn.com, Hing.fm, and Upsnap Mobile. Contact Talk Radio. Welcome to the Soul's Journey with Tom Jacobs. A fresh look at astrology shaped by channeled wisdom on the soul and its human journey. Enjoy inspirational insights on how to change karma and make changes for the better. And now, here's Tom. Hey everybody, welcome to The Soul's Journey. This is Tom Jacobs from tdjacobs.com. I'm an evolutionary astrologer and channel, and uh, some other things sometimes, including being a being an author and a tutor, teacher kind of person, uh, and doing energy work too, quite a lot with people these days. Uh, so this is the soul's journey, and my aim is to uh, sometimes provide a microscope using astrology to understand a particular person's journey. At other times, I like talking about things I'm noticing that are trends, or or even recently I've talked about some global political events. And talking about how that can figure in for groups of people and their collective soul journeys. So today is kind of fitting in with the with the latter the latter part, uh, the the second uh, way of doing it, kind of a kind of a macroscopic view on a couple of uh, different topics. It's an extension of the Neptune Chiron in Pisces show I did last week. Um, if you didn't hear that, uh, transiting Neptune and transiting Chiron are both in the sign of Pisces. Uh, for these first few years of Neptune's transit, they're together. Chiron moves quicker. Uh, so right now, Chiron's approaching mid-Pisces. Neptune's about six. So right now, they're um, in a very wide conjunction, but they have been dancing together uh, for the last uh, couple of years. And so um, one of the things that happens is our awareness of energy uh, gets increased. I, I use Neptune... I interpret Neptune and, and teach about it as this satellite dish that gathers information from the world around us, sometimes subtle cues, sometimes um, energetic in, input. And Chiron is an energetic antenna very specifically. So with Neptune, is like a big net or big uh, satellite dish. It's catching quite a lot of things. And with Chiron, there's a certain frequency that a person is attuned to emotionally. And over that frequency... Uh, he or she will pick up energetic information in the, and be affected emotionally in the world around us. Uh, many times, um, Chiron leads us to have an experience of suffering and pain to ideally, in the end, transform through compassionate acceptance, especially in Pisces, because Pisces, that's kind of an end goal, is compassionate acceptance. So Neptune and Chiron traveling together in Pisces are asking us to be more sensitive to be more aware of things. But the nature of Neptune energy and Piscean energy, they are part of the same archetype, uh, is to uh, not necessarily know what is happening. So being asked to do something through all these subtle cues, but not knowing what it is <laughs> and not realizing it. So so I spend, um, I spend quite a lot of my time, if I'm aware of things, I don't know how to say this without seeming weird, but if I'm aware of things in the world that are not inside my head, like, you know, of things surrounding me, uh, I am kind of looking at it through a 12th house Piscean Neptune lens, uh, because it's just how I roll. It's just, I'm always curious about how things work and why things are happening the way they are. I am looking for patterns and, uh, it kind of, I do that through a 12th house way, like, 
you know, what, what is, you know, if I see something crop up in my life four times in a month, some theme or pattern or dynamic, I want to, I want to know why. So I'll, I'm observing a bigger pattern. And anyway, so when I'm aware of political events or I'm aware of, um, something, in this case, tonight we're going to talk about some themes in media that are just kind of an escalation of, um, things that have been happening in our mythologies, folk tales, for quite a long time. Probably uh, as long as we have, you know, been telling stories uh, with with uh, the thing with werewolves, vampires, zombies. But then the other thing I want to talk about. Um, well, I'm just going to name it: just dog and cat videos on YouTube and the prevalence, not just the prevalence, but the variety of them and why we are drawn to the ones we are drawn to. So this is all about Neptune and Chiron and Pisces, and, and by the end of the show. You will understand this this <laughs> this uh, kind of snaking, multifaceted twelfth house thought process. Um, for those of you who like who are into astrology, I'll, I'll just tell you that my my I have two I have uh, a couple of stelliums in my chart. Stelia, I have a couple of stelia. One of them is um, Pluto, Venus, Pallas in the twelfth and ascendant altogether. Palace is, by the way, about pattern recognition. That's a huge thing that it, that it offers. And I have that right on my ascendant in the 12th with this huge Pluto, huge Venus. Um, and they're in Libra. And then they are sextile, my Sagittarius stellium, which is uh, Lilith, Neptune, Mercury, Moon in the second and third. So when I get curious about something, Mercury gets activated. Moon, Neptune, Lilith are right there. And they are triggering, which is sextiling. Uh, this stuff in the 12th. So, so this whole thing about pattern recognition and trying to verbalize and articulate is just like one of the things that I seem to think I'm here to do. It's just one of the things I'm wired to do. So, I, And I find it really fascinating to look at certain things. So last week you heard, and if you're just listening live for the first time, last week I talked about this idea of sensitivity in terms of um, biological evolution, human evolution and cultural evolution, talking about how ancient our digestive systems are, in fact, and then how relatively recent the agricultural revolution is. So we're supposed to eat grains, but our bodies don't want them. So we're talking about gluten sensitivity and gluten intolerance in particular. But anyway, that's a, that, if you're just listening for the first time, go subscribe on iTunes to the podcast and, uh, and hear that episode. It's, it's telling this one story over the course of the hour and kind of tying things together, which I will do again today. So that's actually my intro. That's the roadmap what we're going to do, but I do want to give you a couple of announcements. Um, one is that this new channeled book, Conscious Living, Conscious Dying, is um, available now through the end of April 4th, so that's another two days from now, as of this recording, uh, or this broadcast, um, as a PDF ebook through tdjacobs.com. Go to the homepage, and there's a graphic in the lower left of the book cover. You can, you can do that. Um, and as of the 5th, which is Saturday, uh, you will be able to get that on Amazon and Kindle and as a paperback through my site, but not as, a, as an ebook through my site. I'm just doing that because I know a lot of people, I'm not trying to force everybody to start using Kindle, but I do want to use some promotional stuff that requires exclusivity uh, using Kindle. So I wanted to give people a 10-day preview period to get the PDF ebook if they wanted that format. So um, this, I'm, I've been uh, doing some blog posts with some quotes and, and commenting on the quotes, and I just, the more I think about it now, after you know, a couple weeks after finishing it, and a week after finishing the editing process and and, and launching it uh, in this preview sale, I'm really, uh, if you if you get no other book from me, get this book. As I've been digesting 
what Jehudi, the Ascendant Master I work with, also known as Thoth, St. Germain and Merlin, as I digest what he does in this book, I, I'm actually going to have to reread it, not because, oh, I'm going to edit it or streamline it or look something up. I'm going to reread it because I'm a human living on the earth. And this is the fifth channel book, and it's the first one that I'm going to reread because it's part of my homework as a human. So this book is incredibly important. I can't emphasize enough. Uh, if you get any books on spirituality, if you get one book this year, get that one. Um, whatever format you want, but it's it's that important. Explaining soul, what it is, how it's related to human life, how your life unfolds because of what soul is and what it's doing through you, and then how to create a meaningful life. And this is not just a phrase from you know some you know movie from the golden age of Hollywood that is trying to instill some sense of hope or, or something. And no, actually creating meaning through making certain kinds of choices. Judy explains how to make the most of our time on earth that every single human can take advantage of. This is incredibly powerful stuff. So I want you to get it again for two more days. It's the PDF ebook through my site and then it will be on Kindle and Amazon and I will be announcing things so you can follow me on Facebook and Twitter and follow my blog and sign up for my email list through my homepage uh, and all that stuff to be informed about it. But this is the most important, by hands down, the most important uh, book that I've that I've produced. And, you know, the Soul's Journey series I really believe in and I love and I will continue it. I'm not even halfway through with three volumes so far. Um, but this is for every single human. You know, Lilith Healing the Wild really appeals to people, healing the feminine, but conscious living, conscious dying is for every single person. So, so there's, there, there's my, uh, my uh, story for that, but it's just very important. I want you to check it out. You can read about it on tdjacobs.com and in a couple days on Amazon and Kindle. So I'm, I'm humbled to have brought through something that is of such universal appeal, and I will be uh, promoting it quite a lot. Uh, probably for the rest of, you know, as long as I do this work because it's that important. Um, so, so there's that announcement. Very happy about conscious living, conscious dying. Um, the other thing is I'll just share an anecdote with you, uh, about something. I'm still kind of processing it from something that happened to me, uh, last night. Something, and I'm just kind of like relying on you now as, you know, uh, somebody, somebody who's kind of holding space for me to, process something interesting that happened it's one of these one of these things that frankly if i were going to write some kind of memoir of my spiritual development this would get in there it was really amazing um i actually recently reread and edited and updated seeing through spiritual eyes a memoir of intuitive awakening which is the first book i published uh, in early 2010 about set the previous seven years of my own intuitive process so there have been four years a little over four years since that book came out, and there's probably just more material than than I wrote in that book uh, in four years versus the previous seven, um, and I'm able now to articulate things in a little better way. So, so maybe there's another memoir on the way, but you know, at some point. But but I, I recently edited it and looked at all the different experiences I talked about, and this what happened last night would have fit in here. So uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you about it. Um, just for just for a couple minutes until the first break, and then we'll come back with all the uh, stuff about the animals and the uh, animal nature and stuff. Um, one of the things that's new for me that's happening is acupuncture, and I had it once before when I was having a f- like a muscular problem, whatever. But but I didn't communicate well, and it was with people who didn't really speak English, and it wasn't 
good. <laughs> so anyway, it wasn't really useful, and I, I didn't think anything negative about it. I knew it was just kind of a weird, you know, confluence of stupid variables that resulted in a lackluster experience. But anyway, so my girlfriend asked me. She started going to the local. Uh, Tucson Community Acupuncture Clinic, which this whole pro- pr- thing is amazing with this room full of people. Anyway, I, I'll probably do a whole show talking about that too. But anyway, um, just this different model of bring, you know, br- quote bringing it to the people, unquote, like <laughs> bringing it so it's very affordable. It's very affordable acupuncture. Um, anyway, so she started going to this place, and she asked me if I wanted to do it, and I said, yeah. So I started going. She went twice without me, and then I started going with her. And um, the first time, it was a pretty standard experience. Um, the second time, last night, was absolutely profound. What happened was, uh, you know, she had told me that a coworker of hers had mentioned the, this particular practitioner by name, one of the co-founders, and said, oh, he's just really great. He's just, you know, and I, and I assumed that meant he was intuitive and in tune and whatever. And I get in there, and this is the first time I met him. The, the, the first time I was there, I uh, had a, a different practitioner. So as I was looking into his eyes, as he was chit-chatting with me about, you know, what I wanted to work on or have, you know, uh, acupuncture done for, uh, I see something weird happening. Like I'm talking to him and the energy is changing. And I know what this means, but I didn't expect it. So I was really caught off guard. And by the time it was done, I was like, well, what what just happened? And then 20 minutes into it, when I started to feel the energy flowing, I started to feel channels and and meridians opening up. um, And I started to have kind of an emotional uh, response to what was opening up and things that were flowing. And I realized that I that he has some kind of archangel following him around doing healing work for people who give permission. I realized I was open, like I was looking at this guy's eyes, and I didn't look away. I like I basically gave my permission by being open to this guy and what he didn't know he was offering. It's kind of a weird thing. So uh, I had kind of, I had emotional release, and that's not abnormal for me. <laughs> I, you know, I, have, I have a lot of strong feelings and I move a lot of energy. And um, and so, you know, I didn't wipe tears from my face. So they're kind of streaming down. I, I figured I looked kind of absurd. I was having this whole thing happen, this whole like thing unfold. And, um, and then this being started working on me emotionally, so working on emotions, and I was basically having a little counseling session, which was a loving, compassionate energy work session with this being who was holding space for me to unfold some tension on these issues. And I was sitting there, I was like, does this, I was thinking to myself, does this guy even know what what is happening here? Because he's not doing it intentionally. I knew that. I knew it was somebody following him around. And I went through like different frequencies, and I was like asking myself, is this Quan Yin? I was like, I knew it wasn't Saint Germain because that's one of the faces of Thoth and Jehudi, whom I work with, and I know that energy intimately. It was not that, and I was like, I knew it wasn't Jesus, and I was just thinking about these different beings that are that are known to bring compassionate healing energy through love, through love, you know, just unconditional love. And I was like, and I, and I was, I just knew it's got to be an archangel. So there are times when Metatron, the archangel, I do channel and do and do kind of. Um, energy work through me. I'm always trying not to say the word ass kicker because that's what he is. He just brings this force of love that just opens things up and makes things very serious. So anyway, I'm always trying not to say that word. So when I talk about Metatron, I'm always, you know, editing myself too much. But anyway, he brings this ass kicking love energy. And it's really intense. And it was not that, but it was 
in that class of energies. And and I had just finished editing the Seeing Through Spiritual Eyes, the last uh, episode that from four years ago that I wrote about, and it happened just four years ago. Since the closing of the book is this white light that came to me. I knew it was this angelic thing. At that time, I didn't know if it was – it could have been Jesus. It could have been an archangel, but it was serious. And this was in the same class, but it was a third thing. It was a different thing. So actually, uh, I'm going to put a put a pin in that right now and take uh, my first break. This is Tom Jacobs on The Soul's Journey. Stick with me. I'll be right back finishing up this little story. wondered what your soul is? How about how to create a meaningful life to make the most of your time on earth? In the important new channeled book, Conscious Living, Conscious Dying, Ascended Master Jehudi, aka Thoth and Saint Germain, explains soul, life and death to support you in living a meaningful life now. It opens with a description of soul and how it informs and experiences your human life. Creating a meaningful life and an in-depth exploration of death follow, making this a must-have for all humans. Conscious Living, Conscious Dying provides a roadmap for making peace with the reality of life and the fact of death to free you to make the most of your time on Earth. Get your copy of Conscious Living, Conscious Dying now on Amazon, Kindle, or at tdjacobs.com. The way you're wired is no accident. Your soul has divine intentions for this life. Understanding those intentions can bring greater peace and harmony to your world. A Soul's Journey soundbite from astrologer and channel Tom Jacobs is a 15-minute MP3 reading on your major life themes. Tom's unique approach to astrology sheds light on the big picture of you, your values, passions, fears, and family dynamics as divinely designed by your soul. Gift yourself and others with insight and understanding by ordering your Soul's Journey soundbite today at tdjacobs.com. Welcome back to The Soul's Journey. This is Tom Jacobs from tdjacobs.com. And uh, I'm still doing my, um, my, my interlude, you know, from the intro into the, the real thing. Uh, just finishing up this, this story about what happened last night and this very significant experience I had with a healing experience with an archangel. And my linear, logical, conscious, rational human brain, that part of me, finds these things – ridiculous <laughs> so sometimes i don't like i mentioned to a client today about what had happened and uh and she said i love it when you talk about that on the show and i was like oh well i guess i i guess i could but sometimes i don't like telling all these personal stories and it sounds it sounds weird but this is what really happened this is you know i guess people who are drawn to this kind of show uh this kind of content and this uh, on this kind of uh, radio network don't find it that weird but i i'm always observing my mind stopping and saying wait a minute that Oh, that didn't really happen. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. And that's where I was actually until I was 30. And then all this stuff happened. So it's been 11 years since uh, all that happened. So um, 
so I'm having this, I'm having the experience with this archangel and, and I keep getting two names because I, I recognize I don't know who it is. I haven't met this being yet. And as it comes through to me, when these beings come through, they present to me as typically androgynous or both male and female at the same time. Like not just like a blend of each, like androgynous, but like, you know, you can't perhaps differentiate, but like both very strongly. And to be, to be a channel, to be a medium, to be a shaman, you have to develop both of these, these sides, these sides of your, your, yourself. Um, and so it's kind of like, so you can match their frequency because they don't generate masculine love, active or feminine love, you know, um, receptive. They don't, they don't do that. They, they vibrate everything all at once. So during this moment, I was like, I don't know who you are, he, she, it. Um, but I was, and I didn't ask because I was in the middle of this experience and I knew that he, she, it would not tell me. So afterwards, as I was kind of process, processing it, I was thinking, um, two names came to mind, but it was like my brain I, I didn't think it was anyone telling me this, you know, any, any unseen being or unseen friend. And, um, and I didn't know who Uriel was, for example. So I said, I'll go home and look that up. Maybe it's that because for some reason my brain says to go look up that. And then the other one was Sandalphon. And Sandalphon is said to be Metatron's twin. So anyway, I came home. Oh, no, wait. No, don't, don't, don't skip that, Tom. Uh, so after the session, I, the guy's pulling out the needles and the tears are, you know, the streams are caked dry on my face, <laughs> like the light's low so nobody can see. And he came over and he said, you know, how, is, how are you doing? How is everything? And I asked him if I could ask him a personal question or two. And he said, sure. And I asked him if he's aware of guidance, if he's aware of having a spirit team or anything following him around and helping him. And he said somewhat, but it's not something he's consistently working with, but he's aware that beings kind of hang around this space and help people. So I explained to him what had happened in a nutshell. And, uh, and I explained to him that I don't know who it is, but it's an archangel energy and it has everything to do with an intention you have set. He's basically set an intention for how he's going to live. And, um, this archangel is like, you know what? You just opened the door to let me help people through you. So I, I understood this and I told him, I basically gave this archangel permission to do work on me because I remained open to his, the human's vibration when he like met with me first and started putting the needles in. And I explained this to him and I, so I told him I'd let him know who it is. So I don't know exactly who it is. So I came home and I, I told him I'd look up a list of archangels and I'd let him know when I figured it out. I look it up and the vibration has faded, but I kind of remember it. And as I'm reading, I keep getting this bell rung of Sandalphon. This like, uh, you know, this bell, like, keep going back there. But as I read about Raphael, I was like, no, it's got to be Raphael, uh, who was actually associated with healers uh, and and uh, doctors, etc. So, so I started to see that he has this practitioner has this multi life thing about being a helper, healer, doctor, medical type person. In this life, it comes out as being an acupuncturist, opening a you know co-founding a, a community clinic that brings affordable care. And some other lives, it's probably going to be different. Um, I hope I get to see his chart someday. I don't know. Maybe this dialogue can, can open up because I'm totally curious <laughs> if I can have permission to look in his journey and see what see what's going on. Um, uh, but, yeah, he, he was very open to it. So anyway, he was very open to finding out what I, what I said to him. And I actually prefaced what I said with, so one of the things I do is I'm a channel. So what I'm about to tell you is stuff I deal with every day. And, um, you know, this is normal to me, so I just don't know if it's normal to you. And that's what, that's what I asked him because, um, who wants to have his job interrupted? Oh, do you know that a being is following you around doing helpful? You know, like some people aren't totally into that. He could be a technician. You know, he could be an acupuncturist who views himself as a technician as opposed to, 
you know, any, anything else or, you know, having a, this, the spirit of helpfulness as a human as opposed to being very good at something very knowledgeable. Anyway, both are active, both are, uh, uh, valid forms of being of service or doing, doing medical work. But anyway, so, um, yeah, so I'm still not totally sure who it is. So as I read that, I thought I kept thinking it was Raphael, and I hadn't met him before, though I'd heard about him from some some people I I know and and. But Sandalfon keeps coming up, so it could be that I'm it could be that it was Raphael, but I'm supposed to study or learn about or make contact with Sandalfon. So we'll, we'll all find out. It's, it's still kind of fresh, but I wanted to share that story because it's uh, just one of those things where, who knows where help comes from? Who knows if you're open to receiving support or guidance or help or even healing, uh, you never know where it's going to come from. So I, f- I figured that story might be useful to to some of you, uh, whether you listen to the show regularly or not or the podcast, just because um, we all – again, this is Neptune Chiron stuff. We actually all need help. We all need guidance. We all need to feel that we're supported. We all need to find out, in fact, in which ways our our emotional selves, which are shaped by – our experiences in time space, you know, our linear logical minds being activated to defend ourselves or try to protect ourselves. We're all trying to figure out how to make it in the world without being too vulnerable or too open. And this experience, you know, I'm kind of at this point on one level, at least filing it under, it's really important to be open to receiving help from wherever it might come. You never know what archangel is following around your acupuncturist. Anyway, so that that was the story. Um, I do want to move on to uh, to this this topic. Um, animal nature uh, is how I'm thinking of it, and and I wanted to get to this last week, but I got really um, uh, soapboxy about the uh, evolution, the t- you know the, the the evolutionary timeline for the you know mammalian and primate and then human you know hominid human uh, digestive tract <laughs> so I got, and the whole thing about gluten so I got carried away but um but one of the things that um, fascinates every single person who has ever encountered one of them are the cat and dog videos on YouTube <laughs> I am just like everybody else I am susceptible to wasting a lot of time if I get caught up in them and there's nothing there's nothing wrong with this of course if when, whenever we're doing it you know, unless we're actively avoiding something that's challenging or, or just, you know, we're kind of forcing the issue of I get to take a break or something, most of us will, will eventually judge ourselves for doing what looks like a waste of time. Well, you even may, you may even have animals in your life who are sitting on your lap as you're watching videos of animals on YouTube. Now, I don't have any animals in my life right now, uh, at least not any kind of like pets that I pretend I own or anything like that or I keep captive in my house. But, um, that's just a little joke. But, um, uh, so I'm think I was thinking about the different kinds of videos that I've been drawn to for different reasons. One of them is, you know, because I don't have a cat. I love cats. Cats are the absolute be all end all favorite of Tom Jacobs of all time. There have been chapters in Tom Jacobs's life when, you know, people are great, but cats, the cats are cats are really where it's at. And I've had this like you know thing with cats. Well, one of the things that, that my own experience with cats is that they hold, and this actually was uh, in approaching love, because uh, Sender Master Jehudi in that first channel book of the five um, describes uh, our relationship to our pets, our karmic contracts, and what function they have. And one of the things he says about cats is that they hold energies for us and frequencies that we are learning to process. Like if we're processing old emotion or we are trying to make. 
uh, intentionally or not, we are evolving consciousness-wise. Cats will hold hold a space for us, and you can even find that, like in a family where you know, uh, let's say that there are three people in this family. Two of them love cats, the other one loves a dog, and ever, and they have like a cat and a dog. You know, the three of them together. You can even see how the person who is not the cat person is actually helped by the cat holding space energetically. And when I talk to clients, cats, uh, people who have pets, um, if it's a cat, the cat will run to hold space for the person. And the, and the person's like, kitty, I, I need to focus on this. And, I, and I'm always like, oh, no, no, let the, let the cat come in because the cat's trying to ground you and help you in a way that you just don't get yet. You know, you maybe hold open the, the radio dial for a frequency that you haven't yet figured out how to do. And then when you do figure it out, cats let go of that. And it's not even intentional. It's just how they're wired. They support us in that way. Dogs, on the other hand, as pets, uh, remind us that we're loved and that love exists. And they just hold space for that, among other things. But anyway, cat and dog videos, you have these certain kind where, um, you know, uh, a cat is like <laughs> – a cat's like hitting keys on a piano and then a person who um, feels ambitious and clever has like, you know, looped it or added a soundtrack or whatever and added this thing. So you have this silly kind of video. And uh, I, have, I have lost time. <laughs> watching something like that. Then you have the kind where different kinds of animals are interacting with each other. Or, you know, um, do- dogs and cats. I-, I think my girlfriend showed me one that was like um, dogs' beds being stolen and the dog standing there looking for Lauren and the cat is curled up sleeping in the dog bed. So you have this kind of interspecies relationship too. We like that too. We want to we see how they interact. And then you have this, this other kind and, of course, all other kinds too. Like I think we also watched um, – uh, somebody playing a saxophone on one side of a barbed wire fence at a cow pasture, and the cow's walking over and being very interested in the noise and the sound. So, you know, different kinds of things. Um, but then you get the kind where, and this is what I want to mention, where dogs are howling and singing. Like they are trying to sing. They are doing what they can to repeat what the person has said or the lyrics of the song. Now, when I... Well, and this is what captivates me. This this is actually where I choose to like get lost in research time because this is something I've been thinking about for <laughs> thinking about for years, and I'm finally saying something. I don't even know if I've mentioned this to anybody, uh, but but it's been on my mind about this Neptune, Chiron, and Pisces stuff. This this energetic response, this needing to become more aware of subtle sources of information, things under the surface, things we're not yet clear about or aware of. And in the world around us. Now, animals can fit within the Piscean Neptunian archetype because they are, they are part of all that is. They are part of this whole creation dealio that we're, that we're, um, you know, swimming around in. Some people, if you get really specific, they'll say, oh, well, Virgo in the sixth house are about small animals and Pisces in the twelfth house about large animals. Really, I would offer you that, um, all animals can fit in the twelfth house because they are potential connectors to nature and the natural world. So, um, uh, and this is a great way to feed a Neptunian connection with all of creation is to interface with and and spend time connecting with nature. So um, when somebody's recording his or her dog howling and singing along to a song or saying "I love you" or something like this, we're we're amazed. But then we go back to our lives. Well, I don't. <laughs> I don't have that sense of you know I'm not quite sure how to make sense of that, and that's amazing, and wow, that's cool, and I should post it on Facebook or email my friend or whatever, I don't have that sense of then going back to my normal routine because, given what I was talking about last week, when I hear a dog barking, for example, I hear 
the energetic intention. I basically hear the emotional quality. And if a dog is barking, um, get out of my yard, you suck, I want to kill you, you're a jerk, I don't even know who you are, but get the expletive out of my expletiving yard and get away from my sidewalk, then it then it's upsetting to me, just like if a person were standing in the yard next to me yelling that at me. Now, if the dog is saying, hey, um, who who are you? I don't I don't know you. You know, this kind of curious or this kind of statement of something like, gosh, I'm kind of hungrier. I don't know where where my, where my where my friend went, where my person went. Then that's a very different energetic quality. I can listen to that kind of barking for years on end and not notice it <laughs> because the emotional quality is in there. So what you have essentially with – you know, people are capturing this, but what's happening – and capturing this in video and posting it on YouTube, what's actually happening is we are all getting this very subtle wake-up call to view animals in a new light. So one angle on this is uh, you are an animal, and you are affected by the communication of this animal. So everybody's not what people would call an animal communicator, you know, but – Everybody is. I mean, it's not like everyone's going to hang up a shingle saying, I can tell you why your cat's peeing on the quilt, quilt a bedspread, or I can tell you, you know, or I can, you know, whatever. Uh, I can tell you why your dog is depressed. No, you know, we're not all going to do that and, and have that, that function. But just like channeling, just like mediumship, just like intuition, communicating with animals is a normal, natural part of the human vibratory experience of the energetic field, like ways of knowing. So if you think of your brain, you're not going to be open to it. You're just going to hear noise if an animal's communicating. So one level is the emotional content. But the other level is when they are actually trying to articulate something, they are trying to get through to you. Basically, they are unaware that they are making contact. They're trying to connect with you, to get you out of your head so that you can actually hear and see them in a new way. So this is what I've been percolating for several years about this because they are they are endeavoring to help you reconnect with your natural self, which is a part, which is part, not a part like one word, two words, a part, one part of the natural world. So this is actually Gaia, the earth consciousness. As a part of all that is, which is your part, you know, you're, you're part of this as well. This is actually Gaia communicating with you. Gaia inspiring all these things to talk with you, to try to reach out to you, to try to get you to reconnect consciously with yourself as a being that is more than your linear logical mind who has this pesky body or this pesky body who happens to have this wonderful, clever, creative mind. So you're a part of this, not just ecosystem, not just food chain, but you are a part of all the, the life business that happens on this planet. You are not this person who drives a metal box with rubber tires to a glass office building and gets a paycheck. You know, you are not the person who wishes you had this skill or dreads that you have that relationship or wishes you had this relationship. You are not that. You are a part of all that is you are poor. so so all you know when you next time you see the uh, video on youtube of a dog trying to say i love you to the person you can tell that dog's actually frustrated because it's not perfect yet trying to get through to that person understand this is what's happening this is what's happening the dog is not mimicking for no reason and this is part of Neptune and Chiron and Pisces a global everybody on the planet is experiencing transiting Neptune and Chiron and Pisces together 
So, you know, if it's hitting something in your chart, it is. If it's hitting something in somebody else's chart, then fine. But this is a collective thing that is unfolding for you to become more aware of your place in this. And so animals will reach out to you in different ways and try to get your attention in new ways. So that that's the first thing that's happening here. So, uh, you know, some, you know, some dog videos are meaningless. Some dog videos are meaningful. And I want you to get grounded. I want you to, you can go to my homepage and get the, um, and get the free 13 minute MP3 meditation, which used over time will sensitize you to this kind of thing. It will sensitize you. You can clean out your energy field. You can open your heart, clean your aura, clean your field, um, clear out energies that don't belong to you, that don't serve you in a 13 minute thing. Clear your head, clear your heart. I recommend you do it when you get up before you pass go, before you go to bed. The last thing you do before you start drifting off. And uh, I recommend you do it twice a day, every day for the rest of your life. And then, you get habituated to having cords under the earth. When you're doing that, you're going to be more connected with your body. Dot, dot, dot. Now it's time for the second break. Stick with me. This is Tom Jacobs on The Soul's Journey. I will be right back. wondered what your soul is? How about how to create a meaningful life to make the most of your time on earth? In the important new channeled book, Conscious Living, Conscious Dying, Ascended Master Jehudi, aka Thoth and Saint Germain, explains soul, life and death to support you in living a meaningful life now. It opens with a description of soul and how it informs and experiences your human life. Creating a meaningful life and an in-depth exploration of death follow, making this a must-have for all humans. Conscious Living, Conscious Dying provides a roadmap for making peace with the reality of life and the fact of death to free you to make the most of your time on Earth. Get your copy of Conscious Living, Conscious Dying now on Amazon, Kindle, or at tdjacobs.com. The way you're wired is no accident. Your soul has divine intentions for this life. Understanding those intentions can bring greater peace and harmony to your world. A Soul's Journey soundbite from astrologer and channel Tom Jacobs is a 15-minute MP3 reading on your major life themes. Tom's unique approach to astrology sheds light on the big picture of you, your values, passions, fears, and family dynamics as divinely designed by your soul. Gift yourself and others with insight and understanding by ordering your Soul's Journey soundbite today at tdjacobs.com. back to the soul's journey this is uh your pal tom jacobs from tdjacobs.com and uh i'm talking today about in an in an indirect way about neptune and chiron transiting pisces kind of the the sequel to last week where i was talking about all the the food issue or the uh, gluten sensitivity and the evolutionary biology uh timeline stuff uh this getting subtle information having certain reactions to things and having that be informative but your linear logical mind 
won't at first catch it. And that's the whole thing that collectively we're having with the uh, gluten gluten uh, problem. Uh, so check that archive out in iTunes if you haven't uh, heard that. Definitely check that out. Um, and and the same thing now with animals that are trying to tell us they love us. It, you know, they're not just like food consumers and poop machines. Like that's not like that's you know like I see people walking their dogs because uh, I ride my my bike quite a lot. If I can go east or west, I ride on this uh, the bike path on the Rito River here uh, in uh, Tucson, which is right outside my window. And um, I used that, and I actually did it the other day. Almost the entire thing, it was 24 miles round trip. I was like, I thought it was like 17 or 18 miles. So it's like I have a lot of options going east and west doing that. And I always see the people walking their dogs and you know, people waiting for the dog to do the business. And the person has a plastic bag in hand. And the person's just waiting, and the dog is like, you know, uh, working to poop. And the dog poops, and the person picks it up, and then they go about their business. And I'm looking at the way this person conceives of his or her dog. Some of them, they're like, oh, you're my precious. Some of them, you know, you're my friend. Some of them, um, I can, you know, the energy is, um, I have to walk you every day, several times a day. So this is why we're out here. And if you happen to enjoy something out here, that's fine, but I'm certainly not into it with you. I wish I could just be home playing my Xbox, or whatever it is. Like, there's, there are those people out there too, as well as, you know, this is, this is my, my light and my life, my precious, you know, my precious doggy, whatever. Um, so people who have animals, the animals are over time, if they're not already, going to try to get your attention in new ways. As soon as I say this to you, if it hasn't ha- and you have a pet, if it hasn't happened to you, it will start <laughs> because synchronistically, if you're hearing this, I'm just describing something that's already happening uh, and using this, this podcast, it's, it's, you know, reaching, you know, quite, quite a number of people to, to, to explain this stuff. Um, if you're drawn to this, you're hearing this, you are, uh, you're in the market for having an animal try to get through to you in a new way. So anyway, so there's this, you know, uh, not one angle is trying to connect to your human nature. One angle is, opening you to what's actually happening here that you actually are not just a brain with a body or a body with a brain but you are you are also an animal you are not the t- you know should not define yourself merely as the top of the food chain or gosh i have all this freedom i could do anything but all i want to do is sit here and play my xbox whatever it is or candy crush whatever it is like um that you're more than that and these animals are trying to get your attention they're trying to get your attention so the other angle on this is this whole thing with the mythology, the folk tales and mythology of vampires, werewolves, and zombies. And this, this, you know, I think um, almost two weeks ago, so before the last show, when I was, I was biking, it's one of my meditative things to do. I can kind of like check out and I do listen to podcasts and, and radio stuff uh, uh, during that, during that time and things percolate and, you know, as my legs are moving and I'm doing the same thing over and over again, just kind of like moving into the future time space wise, I am, uh, I'm thinking, letting things process and unfold. So I get a lot of insights when I'm biking. And one of the things that, uh, that happened was I saw the gluten thing. And in the same bike ride, I was thinking about zombies. Cause I was like, I, I had watched part of, um, what is that? What is that show called? Oh my gosh. What's the, what's the TV show from, from AMC? Oh my god, I'm not even gonna the thing about the zombies. What whatever it, Oh my god, thank you, Kira. Walking Dead, the Walking Dead. Um just like totally blanking. I was I was nudged to I was like drawn to watch it and I allow my media choices as I described on the January first show to to tell me things. And so I'm processing this and I'm thinking about um the explanation within that context and i'm not aware of you know i'm not like an expert on zombie mythology or whatever uh but it's popping up everywhere there's jokes about it people are you know uh, 
you know, God, whatever, video games, movies, TV shows, all these things. And it has, it's been happening for quite a while. It's not like suddenly in the last, you know, 10 years, but it's been escalating. And I think that what's happening is it's another indication that we are supposed to look at our animal nature. So within the, within the mythology of this particular show, The Walking Dead, um, there is this uh, pathogen. I, I, I think it's a virus. It could be a bacteria, but whatever it is, it, it, when the person dies, the, um, this basic primal fundamental part of the brain comes back to life. And this is a part focused on instinct. This is a, and you can know where I'm going if you've ever listened to the show before, because instinct is a Lilith keyword. Instinct connects us to our bodies, connects us to the earth, but our brains fear instinct. So this is what the zombie deal is about. Fearing that we are just this collection of desires. It's nonstop insatiable hunger that's irrational. This irrational thing. So, so the instinct that they have is to feed. That the, the you know the uh, the the zombie characters within this within this show that comprise the vast majority of the human population in this timeline. If you haven't seen it, it's kind of interesting for this. It's well done. It's well written. Whatever. But this is kind of like what I'm getting out of it. Um, and so that that and the brain has to be destroyed or damaged in order to end their lives after. Is dead, so you know after they're dead the first time and come back to life as zombies. So there is this insatiable hunger. This is our linear logical minds, our our, our brains, you know, a collective a consciousness being afraid of being run by instinct because then we'd be out of control and we would just like do something unnecessarily nonstop and be damaging and destructive. If you're actually in your body, you will eat what you need to eat when you need to eat it, and then you'll be done, and then you'll go live your life. Okay, so so that that's the that's the zombie thing, uh, at least as far as how it's depicted in the mythology of that particular, you know, in the conscious of that particular show. Um, I, I've frankly avoided my whole life. I've avoided um, zombie stories. Like I just don't care. I, I haven't been interested in that at all. Um, which is why I was kind of surprised when I was nudged or inspired to to watch this, and it was to get this this uh, make these connections and look at it and through that lens that I've been describing. So we fear being run by instinct. But if we choose to be run, if we choose to allow instinct, then our choices become more effective for us. Our choices um, yield better, quicker, simpler, and safer results because we are steering our way through the world instinctively. You are not, again, you are not just your brain. You are not just your body who happens to have a brain or a brain with a body. So that's the first thing. With werewolves, there is a sense of, because then after that, after I finished out The Walking Dead, I was kind of like staring out the window talking to Judy, and he was like, hey, why don't you watch this other thing? And it was about werewolves. And I was like, what? Why? And and so anyway, after I watched it, I this was the second layer of it. Um, and the werewolf thing is turning into an animal. Obviously, very, very literally, this, this mythology of, uh, you know, beast, you know, turning into a beast. And of course, when you are that beast, you can't possibly have any responsibility for what you do, what you choose, you're just out of control. You're, you're unless you cage yourself up, you're dangerous, etc. You will tear things apart with your maws, and this terrible thing will happen. All these terrible things will happen, and it's all about the full moon, you know, the lunacy of uh, the craziness of um, that activated energy time. And this comes from you know our uh, very old mythologies about about that kind of that animal transformation. Well, if again, if you live in an instinctive way and you allow your body to talk to you, it, it sometimes will tell you to tear something apart with your jaws, like the food you're eating, but it will not be like dangerous. You know, sometimes it'll tell you this, you are ravenous for this piece of whatever, 
like this apple, attack it, and your body will do that, and you'll feel satisfied, and you'll be done. You'll move on with your life. You can go walk your dog, play Xbox, whatever you want. Go watch videos of you know cats hitting piano keys on YouTube. And um, and then the other thing is vampires. This this and this is a this is a version of it, meaning that these three uh, these three mythological threads have certain things in common. Now, with vampires, there's this sense of, again, it's like the undead, like zombies, and there's this sense of insatiable need, like all three of these things. Um, and uh, I've also, to some degree, avoided, or not been interested in, say it this way, not been magnetized toward or intrigued by vampire stories. Uh, and sometimes when other people might say, hey, let's watch this movie, and I'd be like, okay, let's watch this. You know, I'd just watch it because um, certainly nobody in my life now, but like say 10, 15, 20 years ago, um, when I was interacting with, you know, different people and just kind of like, you know, consuming indiscriminately, frankly. I would never have chosen a story that had to do with vampires. Um, but there is this thing about, you know, obviously they drink the blood. They need the blood. Um and I've, I started thinking about this actually um, when I lived in Los Angeles. I don't talk about this much, but it's it's like a sh- it's like a a short ebook waiting to happen. But I did uh, background work on TV and movies, and I did like I mean not a lot because bus- the industry was really slow during this period. I think I can't remember if it was about a year, and I did like fifteen jobs where I was like in the background of something, you know, just an extra doing that. And one of the things was on True Blood, so I didn't know anything about. Uh, about the show until that happened, and then I kind of did a little research. And of course, in that show, there's this, you know, their their mythology has um, vampires producing a synthetic or figuring out a synthetic version of it so they can be integrated in society. So that's like a whole other a whole other layer of things to to take the mythology into modern times or modern, um, you know, mod- modern terms. Um, but the basic thing of needing to drink blood, this instinctive animal thing, you can't. You know, you can't get away from the mythology, uh, the, the symbolism of the bat and this kind of, you know, animal that may frighten us but we don't really understand. It's nocturnal. We are not. You know, all this stuff. Um, but all of these mythologies have in common animal instinct and the fact that you can't control it. You can't control it no matter what you do. Basically, death is the only release except for that, you know, true blood where they have that synthetic version. Um, so, you know, with werewolves, it happens once a month. Uh, with zombies, it happens once and it's undoable. With vampires, it's this like constant problem. These are just three different um, broadcast frequencies to tell the story that we're really, as a collective, as a species, we are really, really uncomfortable with the reality that we have urges and that we have desires and needs that our minds cannot control. So I mentioned in the show description – that Lilith is a remedy for a lot of this because if you integrate instinct, you begin to detach from the cultural teaching that instinct is frightening. The reason that Lilith is demonized, the Lilith archetype is demonized, is because we are terrified that we will do something destructive without being intentional. Well, we've just distanced ourselves from one side of the natural feminine, I always talk about the difference between Lilith and Eve and how Lilith is actually a, a woman while Eve is kind of a blow-up doll slash Barbie. So you, if you use the Eve archetype, and they're all archetypes, Adam, Eve, Lilith, they're all archetypes. Um, if you really hold it closely to your heart that, that 
you know, their stories are the words of God. Well, you know, God bless you. God bless everybody. But these are mythological stories, just like those about Zeus and Hera and uh, Jupiter and Juno and all that stuff. Um, so uh, I kind of lost my train. Of, I lost my train of thought. Um, but with the Lilith thing, demonizing the feminine because it's too dangerous, according to patriarchal culture shapers over the last few thousand years, to encourage women to be naturally feminine, which is to say not controllable. This story is completely told uh, in – it's completely told. It's told in a complete way. <laughs> it's totally told in this book, uh, Lilith Healing the Wild, uh, which actually today I actually just finished the arrangements to get it um, stocked at uh, the, the largest um, – wholesale distribution warehouse for metaphysical books, for New Age books in the country. Uh, and so within a few weeks, you will be able to – I'd say within two to three weeks, you'll be able to ask your bookstore to order Lilith Healing the Wild. It's my most popular book, and the reason is because it paints Lilith, meaning the wild feminine, in a, in a good light and actually gives you ways to heal the patriarchal baloney, uh, malarkey crap – and uh, expletive that has followed us around for these thousands of years of trying to distance ourselves from instincts. So anyway, so the book, so it's going to be now much more widely available, not just through my site, Kindle and Amazon, but also through bookstores. You can ask your bookstore to get it. And then also um, I add to the story and tell it in, in, in new ways in the Lilith Intensive MP3 set, which is now available through tdjacobs.com. And this is over seven hours of me working with a colleague, evolutionary astrologer uh, Marina Orms, a friend of mine too. Uh, she hadn't worked with Lilith before, and um, so we did this Lilith intensive uh, over seven hours to um, describe and to work through all these themes and to have an, and I love the questions that she asks me because, you know, an evolutionary astrologer, not just somebody who has worked with mythology or somebody who is an astrologer, but who does the same kind of life affirming, choice centered, respectful, soul based astrology that I do was was willing to have these conversations with me. So. Um, anyway, you can read about that at tdjacobs.com. But anyway, so I've told this story quite a lot. It's the most popular book, and it's because it's an affirming view on instinct. And it doesn't say, uh, please be afraid of what you might do. It says, please be intentional that you're able to do lots of things, but choose what's right for you. And that is an empowering thing where no other Lilith book out there has that is what I constantly hear from, from readers. So, um, so that's the story on that. Thanks for, thanks for listening this week. Um, uh, and I'm probably going to have to go find a video of a dog trying to sing something or tell someone that he or she loves the person. I think that's how I'm gonna gonna end my evening because because uh, I love it. I love it. I love they're trying to get through to us, and I'm listening. So if all if the dogs are listening, if any dogs out there are listening, I'm listening. So anyway, thanks for joining me on this. Uh, this is a soul's journey with uh, evolutionary astrologer and channel uh, Tom Jacobs. Uh, donate to support the show if you like that. Uh, if you get something useful out of it, you can do that through my site. And also check out the uh, 15 books, including the new Conscious Living, Conscious Dying through tdjacobs.com and also online sources. Thanks for joining me, and I'll talk to you next week. You've been listening to The Soul's Journey with Tom Jacobs, a fresh look at astrology and soul. Inspired by channeled wisdom. For more information, tune in every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Pacific. Connect with Tom directly via www.tdjacobs.com. That's tdjacobs.com.